Thanks for joining me. I'm Nancy, and you're listening to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. I'll be talking to ordinary people, just like you, who share their real-life stories. If you find this helpful, please subscribe, leave a kind review, and share. Thank you for listening to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. I'm honored to be here with Darlene Mail. Darlene was a part of a podcast of the beginning, but I also had asked her, I think actually the day of the conference, like, hey, would you be on my podcast? Um, Because I really had a very clear vision of what I wanted it to be. I just wasn't ready to do it. So Darlene, could you share with everyone a few things about yourself? Probably number one would be relational, um, I would say. Um, Relationships are incredibly important to me and family as well. And I think caring, I, um, yeah, I think that's what I would say. Yes, yeah, I would agree with those. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) Well, I did want to bring you on. It's it's a tough, tough topic, and I I think both of us are going to uh, cry, and that's okay. Um, But as you said, you've been widowed three three years. Brett was a wonderful, wonderful man. How long were you married? We were married 31 years. What do you remember about the day he died? Um, That is a loaded question, and I remember I was working from home. I was sitting at my computer, and um, I, my phone, I was getting a FaceTime from Brett's phone, and he never really FaceTimed, so it was very unusual, but I picked up the phone and smiled and said hi, and there was a different man on the other end, and Again, Brett was a real jokester, so I thought he was just playing a joke on me and being funny. And so then he, the, the man said, are you Brett Mail's wife? And I said, yes. And he said, this is officer so-and-so, and there's been a medical emergency, and you need to get to the hospital as quickly as you can. And I said, what's happened? And he said, I can't tell you over the phone, but they're working on him as hard as they can, so um, you just need to get to the hospital. So I thought I was going to be at the hospital for a few days. I thought maybe he had broken some. I mean, I just thought maybe he'd have surgery. So I ran, grabbed a change of clothes, a few things, jumped in the car, texted my kids and said, please pray, something's happened to dad. They won't tell me over the phone. So I head to the hospital and I walk in the doors of the emergency room and they just look at me and say, are you here for Brett Mail? which was kind of shocking because who does that, right? So um, I said yes, and they whisked me off to a family room, a private family room, where they started bringing in chaplains and social workers and doctors one by one to ask me questions and talk to me and tell me what was going on. And they were still at that point trying to figure out what had happened because he was he was very healthy, um, had just played basketball on his lunch break, which he enjoyed doing, had got back in the car, headed back to leaving the gym, was literally pulling out of the gym parking lot, and he slunched over and went off the road. So they were still at that point trying to figure out what had happened. They were very wonderful and let, uh, one by one, my kids arrived, and they were letting us in and out of the room uh, while they were working on him as much as we wanted, which was hard but good. It was good to see how hard they were trying. Then it was incredible how every time we turned around, there was more and more people in the waiting room. I think by the end of the day, there was 50 people in the waiting room. Just word of mouth and people praying and people being there in support, it was incredible. But the interesting thing was, we had just been at a conference at Southeast (laughs) a few weeks before, 
and they, I think it was John Burke's book, Imagine Heaven, um, they spoke about it and talked about all these near-death experiences, and it was fascinating. And in the hospital, when he's, when they're working on him, I just had this thought, that is so cool. We just went to this conference, and now Brett's going to have that same story, that same testimony. This must be why, I mean, I was just certain that that was going to be Brett's story. And um, so I thought that was kind of cool, and the I, it's not that I didn't realize the danger he was in. There was just a, a sense of, it's, it's going to be okay. And mm -hmm. even some of my friends say the same thing. We just never thought it was going to end the way it did. Heart attacks, people have heart attacks all the time. It turned out to be a heart attack. Um, and they survive them all the time. Mm -hmm. And he was healthy. He was in shape. He worked out all the time. He played basketball. So we really just didn't think it was going to end that way. You know, it, it, was a, it was obviously a tough day. They worked for over four hours on him, and uh, uh, towards the end of the day, they pulled Garrett, my oldest son, and I aside and said, you know, we've been at this for over four hours, and, he, and he's not, you know, he's not responding, so we're, we're going to stop working, you know, pretty soon. And so we understood, and, um, and so they did, and he um, passed away, and they cleaned him up, and they let me and all my kids and my kids' spouses we all got to go in the room and say our goodbyes. And we spent about an hour and a half in there um, and just, just, you know, uh, cried and talked about him and talked to him. And, um, and it was a wonderful, sweet time. And one of the coolest things is we had this amazing nurse um, on this, we were on the second floor of the hospital. They had, because they had done some stints trying to, in, trying to get rid of the blockage. But, Towards the end of our time together, saying goodbye to him in the room, this wonderful nurse that was the head nurse came in, and she had tears in her eyes, and she looked at all of us and said, from listening to you guys and seeing that waiting room, it's clear we've lost a good one, and yeah. he's leaving a great legacy. And it was very, it was amazing. It was very um, touching. She was amazing, and it's amazing the difference that... The, the staff or a nurse or a doctor can make in the situation, but yeah. And the other thing that I remember about that day that was so hard is to leave your to leave the hospital without your loved one, knowing mm -hmm. they're you know that that they will not be coming home. It's a very strange going out and getting in the car mm -hmm. and leaving was a very strange strange feeling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the males and our family have just kind of intertwined our lives in a couple of different ways. And we are getting texts from Kendra asking for prayer. And then because my husband and your husband were both on the security team, there yes. was a lot of prayer and texts going back and forth. And I mean, we were praying like crazy, but I do remember getting the text from Kendra that he had passed. And I, I don't know if I could have been any more shocked. Exactly. I. I told Chris and we were both just, we're dumbfounded. Right. Like, like, did right. we read this right? Like this, this right. cannot be. Um, right. So yes, we felt the exact same way when, when we found out that this, this doesn't, it's not supposed to end like this. No. Like he's, he's so young. He's so 
fit. Um, my dad had had a heart attack, you know, a couple years before, and yeah. he was fine, right. right? Like, it's not that you're not afraid, but, right. you know, like, oh, it's, it's okay. It's yeah. going to be, like, it's going to be all right. So In I, today's day and age, with the technology they have, there's so much they can do that you think, oh, they got, they, they've got this, yes. Yeah. So a couple questions. Is it true what they say that time heals all wounds? You know, I would not agree with the statement that way. Um, in my opinion, time softens the pain. Um, I still cry, you know, probably pretty much every day, but it's not with the length and intensity that it was at the beginning. And um, it, so I do not, I don't agree with it that way, that it doesn't heal, but it does soften mm. the pain. What were some things that people said that were helpful and life-giving to you? And what are some things that people said probably with good intentions, but might have kind of been more hurtful than helpful? One of the helpful things that was said is um, grief is the price we pay for loving. And that sounds almost cliche-ish, but when I think about it, I wouldn't have wanted to not love. So um, having all that, that deep love. And my, I have an aunt that um, had lost her um, son 15 years prior. And she's a sweet, godly woman. And she has helped me so much. And she would tell me, like, intense love. Or deep love comes with intense grief. Or, and it's just some of those things were were helpful to know that this is normal and this is because you loved so deeply mm. that now you will grieve so deeply at the loss of that. You know? So that was one thing that was, and just talking to my aunt helped me so much. I'm talking with someone who's, who's been there. You don't want anyone to have to experience loss, but um, there is a, there is a, a sense of, um, you just learn from each other and support each other, and yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to have you on is because I think that this could help so many people because unfortunately yours is not the only story, right? Absolutely. Of of losing someone maybe too too young or too quickly or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and so that that is kind of why I wanted to have you on is um, that there's other people that might be benefit from your story. Absolutely. And as far as people saying hurtful things, I that th it absolutely happened, but I give people a lot of grace because mm -hmm. I understand people don't know what to say. I do understand that. And I know their heart in most cases that they're not trying to be hurtful because probably the most hurtful thing to me was a close family, I mean, a close friend of mine. And she's a godly woman and I we are lifelong friends. And I was talking to her about losing Brett and crying and sad and talking. And her response was, well, it's all part of the fabric of our lives. And my thought was, well, I don't want this fabric. I want a different fabric, right? But, and it was very hurtful because it felt flippant and cliche, you know. But I never held it against her because I know she didn't know what to say. That ended up being hurtful, but I didn't let the hurt stand because she's my dear friend, yeah. And it sounds like maybe she wasn't letting you feel what you were feeling, really. Maybe she kind of like felt uncomfortable and wanted to help or make you feel differently. And sometimes that's not what you need, right? You just need to right. feel what you're feeling and be in that moment. It's true. And you, I, for me, I quickly realized who I could go there with and who I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And 
everybody grieves differently. There's not a right and wrong way, and some people don't like to go there. But for me, it was very healing to allow myself to cry and talk about things. And I quickly learned the people in my life who don't want to go there, who just want to want to see me smile. They don't want to see me cry. They don't want, so they didn't want to talk about it. I have one friend in particular, one close friend that she and I would go there and we would have these deep, like we would get together, we would have these just deep three hour long crying, talking about Brett, about how much we miss him, about how different life's going to be. Our two families have been doing holidays together for years. Our families have grown up together. It was crazy how, um, we were in such a deep, dark place together, walking through that. But then the next day, we both agreed, we always felt better the next morning, having gotten that out and just, and for me, it was such a safe place to go there because I couldn't keep it just bottled in. I'm not that person, I needed to get it out. And so you just learned, you just learned. Um, and my other, my, my lifelong friend that I talked about prior, I just don't, I just don't choose to go there with her. So you just learn, yeah. What did you find helpful, if you can even remember, um, those first two weeks, maybe the first year, and then now as we're getting, you know, two, three years, what did you, what did you need at those times? Because my thought with this is we all have people that, oh my goodness, they lost a wife, a husband, a daughter, a whatever it might be. How can we be helpful during those kind of particular times, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, well, I will say right away, the, the family that I was talking about, that we've been close family friends, the friend that I go there with, they brought meals to our family. They actually went above and beyond. They brought us a hot breakfast and a warm dinner every day for the first week. And my kids were all at the house, so we had lots of people on there as we're planning, you know, funeral arrangements and things. Um, that was amazing. But for me and my personality, it helps so much to have people be able to talk about it with me and allow me to cry. Mm -hmm. It was hard for me when people didn't want to see me cry. And I understand. It's just a personality thing, and I don't take offense. Um, but the other thing is I, a friend, this same friend, goes to a different church, and their church was having a grief share starting up. And that helped me. That helped me so much because... Um, I have never experienced much loss. Both of my parents are still living, and all of my siblings, and I, I haven't even lost an aunt and uncle yet, or, or uncle yet. I mean, I just haven't experienced a lot of loss in my life. So Grief Share was incredibly helpful. Some people gave me some books that were incredibly helpful. But also, as time went on, I would say, because our kids are grown, and it was just my husband and I, now I live alone. One thing that was incredibly, has been incredibly helpful to me is people just inviting me to dinner mm. and things because otherwise you're home alone every night, right? Mm -hmm. And my kids are good about it too, so we spend a lot of time together as a family. But even friends just inviting me to dinner and we just go out and visit and have dinner. And um, I would say for me, the relationship and the just being able to talk and that's been very helpful for me. Do you like it when people ask you how you're doing as far as grief or bring up his birthday or the anniversary of his death or say, how are you doing with Brett's loss or bring up his name or is that hurtful? Does it help to talk about about yeah. him? Because I feel like that can be a hard thing as people are like, so now do we pretend like he didn't exist? Or, right. you know, would that make her sad if we said his name? Right. What are your thoughts on that? Um, there's two parts to that question. And one is the part of 
people asking how you're doing. I do like that when someone genuinely asks me, but it's early on, it's impossible to not cry in those moments, almost. Which, again, I'm okay with crying in front of people, and I like to say that Brett was worth crying over, so I'm okay, but I know everybody's comfort level with crying is different, especially in front of other people. Um, so I, I did like it when people genuinely, you know, care and ask how you're doing. But as far as talking about Brett, absolutely, I love to talk about Brett. And I am very sad when people, when there's, there are people who just don't want to because it's sad. And I think for some of them, it's they don't want to be sad. And bringing up his name and talking about him makes them sad, you know. But um, I love talking about Brett. I love talking about memories. I love that people remember his birthday or his, you know, anything. There's a couple at church and she still calls me on our wedding anniversary, even now, and just to see how I'm doing and things. And so um, I would be v very sad if people didn't bring him up because it would feel like he was just forgotten and not being remembered and he's worth remembering. Yes. With the experience that you've had with losing Brett, when you hear of someone losing a loved one, how do you respond? I try to reach out and let them know I'm praying for them. Sometimes give them books um, because there's a lot of people that I think will not search out help, if you will, and yet it's uncharted territory. And uh, I wouldn't have known how to go through grief. So reading some of the books and doing grief share and talking to people who've been there made a world of difference for me because you don't know what not only what to expect, and everyone's journey is so different, but just knowing what's normal. And you start, because you really wonder in those moments, wow, I'm just really falling apart. Is this okay? And, you know, so to find out some of the things that you're going through are normal. So I definitely try to reach out, and I want, I offer to be there for them. Obviously, if it was a very close friend, I might just show up. Um, but well, most of the people that have been in my life that have had loss since I lost Brett, are not, I'm not in that relationship with yet. I don't know them well enough but that they would want me to just show up at their, you know. The big thing is reaching out and uh, being willing to talk to them. Yeah, and that's hard because not everybody wants to talk about it, but yet on some level, people need ways to, if you, if you just set it aside and you don't actually allow yourself to grieve, it doesn't go away is the problem. It will come back up and it's, it doesn't go away. So you do have to walk through it. I'm glad that you said that you enjoy people talking to you about Brett because sometimes I feel like I want to I want to say, oh, I just miss him so much. But then I realize I don't miss him the same way you do, obviously. And I don't want to be like hurting you in that feeling of like, I miss him. I know you miss him more. Right. But <laughs> right. Uh, so it's kind of nice to, to feel like I could say that. You absolutely could say that. And honestly, there are a lot of people that say that to me. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that thought does cross my mind sometimes. Like when, for someone to say, oh, I miss him so much, part of me wants to go, oh, you have no idea, right? Because, but I do understand they do miss him a lot in the capacity he was in their life. Of course, it's a different capacity than he was my husband and the father of my children, but I, I do appreciate that people to say that, and I don't, ever, I don't ever take offense, and I don't, you know, it just speaks to the 
person and the man he was that so many people continue to miss him, you know? This has been so good. I feel like sometimes we're so afraid of, well, we're afraid of death sometimes or afraid of grief or how do we do this? Am I going to do it right? Am I going to say the right thing? And so, but if we don't talk about it, A, I feel like there's no, there's not the healing that we need. Absolutely. And we might be missing an opportunity to show love to someone that is really needing it at that point. Absolutely. Uh, no, I would agree. In fact, that kind of is interesting because three weeks before Brett passed away, I started praying. I, I think it, God laid it on my heart. I started praying, Lord, use my life to point people to you. And I don't know why, but about, well, now I maybe do, but uh, I started just praying that every day. Lord, use my life to point people to you. And then three weeks later, my husband passed away. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, this is not what I meant. This is not what I meant at all. And yet I felt God saying, uh, are, did you mean it? Did you mean that, or did you, or was it just words? And I just had to wrestle with that and say, I did mean it. I didn't want it to go like this, but I did mean it, and I still feel that way. I want my life to point people to Jesus. Yeah, that's a bold prayer because I think if we look at people in the Bible that were really used by God, uh, their lives were not absolutely <laughs> were not really that like. Roses and butterflies, you know, like we yeah. can look at Mary and Joseph. We can look at Joseph and the time he was in prison and yeah. all of these people that we could we could look to and say, wow, they were used mightily, but they did not have easy lives, right? Right, and I, I hesitate sometimes to tell people that story because I don't want people to think, oh, I should never pray something that bold because, look, you know, she lost her husband. But obviously, that I didn't lose my husband because I was praying that. God <laughs> right. was preparing my heart right. for what was coming. And right. I just, yeah. It, and it's amazing to look back on that. It's painful, but it's amazing to see God working and through that. Yeah. Right, and probably also saying, like, you'll have this to walk through, but are you going to kind of come out of it and and point people to God? Or are you going to just enclose yourself, right? Because there's right. two ways that you could deal with it, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So. Yes, and I always wanted, no matter what the circumstance, I do want to point people to Jesus. And I I want, he is the answer. He is the only thing that's gonna, that gets us through all of this. And, you know, sometimes Christians almost sound cliche when they say it, but it's so true. It's so deeply true. And, uh, yeah, I want, I want to point people to him. You know, I think the one thing I would say is everybody's grief journey is so different that even for me, having walked this in such a personal way, I can't assume that other people even want to talk about it in the way that I do or that other people want to cry about it in the way that I, everyone is so different from their personalities to their loss to just, so that has been interesting that everyone's, how different everyone's grief journey is. But I think just being open about uh, mine and it's gonna resonate with some people and it's completely not gonna resonate with, with other people who are more private maybe people and don't wanna be as um, vulnerable. Um, I am willing to be vulnerable and transparent with people, but not every 
know, that's not everybody's <laughs> idea. Right. Well, I like to end all of my podcasts by asking, what is your favorite Bible story or Bible verse? My favorite Bible verse is Philippians 4, 11 through 13. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That verse has just spoken to me over the years um, as I've gone through highs and lows in life, uh, just to be content in whichever situation, which isn't always easy, but um, then the end of it, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, is what ends up sealing it for me. What are you grateful for? I am grateful for Jesus and my, my relationship, but I'm grateful for um, the amount of people I have, the, the, just the blessing of people I have in my life. I have um, wonderful friends, wonderful family, extended family, but I have the most amazing kids. And I, to watch them walk through losing their dad, which I don't even know how to do, I haven't lost a parent. Um, and they are all three there for me at every turn. And I feel like they are completely living out the biblical commandment to honor your father and mother. They're honoring their father by helping me and being there for me, and they're honoring me by helping me and being there for me. And it's, they have um, just amazed me and exceeded anything I could have ever, I mean, you don't ever dream of anything like this happening, but um, they have been amazing. Yeah, I would definitely concur with that. And so happy to know you and your family, and thank you for coming on and just being vulnerable and about this hard topic, but not having it be something that we can't talk about and share with others and hopefully be a light to others and a hope to others at the same time. Absolutely. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. God gave me a calling to share people's stories, and I've been doing that for over 15 years with my business, Generations to Generations. Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things is a continuation of telling stories. All of us have a story, and it's imperative that we share it with others to learn and empower. I know you have a story to share on how God has showed up in the mountains and valleys of your life. To do that, visit me on Facebook, Instagram, or email me at ordinarypeoplestories at gmail.com, and I'll see you on the next podcast.